Welcome to Accounting High. With every product decision, do you build, do you buy, or do you partner? So how many times do we try to solve a problem in our accounting firm and we only think that there's one path to the solution instead of saying, wait a minute, is there somebody Mm -hmm. else that's doing it better than me that I should be partnering with? Is it something that I can build or is it something that I can just buy and white label? That's the greatest advice I've ever heard. Server systems with tech allowances, fintech vendors with some cloud outfits, but now low coding this computer science for accountants. In fact, I'm remoting in new tools, paperless, asynchronous for data analysts, APIs to find all your SaaS apps connected, cloud computing plugins for your implementation, automate technology to leverage the meta, disrupt your desktop, then break it down. We're sharing metrics, AI to the GPT to the AI disrupt. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and crypto agents disrupt. Time to tweak your tech team and make some changes disrupt. If my staff quit, I still have automation disrupt. Last episode just went viral. Let's go, it's gonna make your head spiral. Scarano, Casey, Sunshine, Accounting High Show. The lab is ready, it's tech time, yo. Glitch, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Jason Ackerman and Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. Hello, how are you guys doing? Doing great. We're good. How'd you get into accounting? You know, it's the same. I feel like it's the same story. Like, does anybody ever intentionally go into accounting? So here's my story. I was a smart student, but a very lazy student. So when I took accounting in grade 11 and managed to get through the whole curriculum uh, within the first month, I was like, this is the career for me. I'm good at it and you can make a living at it. And so I just kind of started doing that. So I never really worked like retail or fast food like other high school students did. I like went straight into administration and accounts payable and like, you know, 15 years old doing accounts payable at an office in my spare time. Yeah. But then just, just kind of worked up from there. And and now here I am. So the best of the best know what they're good at and they lean into that when they're young. Sure. And it doesn't have anything to do with laziness or maybe the most successful people are lazy. Liz says this too. This is, this is on her episode. Like she wants the good lazy. She wants somebody that wants to learn how to be able to sit on the couch and figure out a way for a robot to come give them their food, you know, and give get their beer for them, you know, press a button for this to happen. And this, like the automation lazy, you know, like, yeah. I don't want to do this 
again. Like I've, I've already <laughs> figured this out. Let's go do something else. So, well, I am grateful because you do see whether, you know, on, whether it's high school students, which I now have one, uh, my daughter is now in 10th grade as the Americans would say. Ooh, mine in ninth. But even like people in their first, second, third, fourth career, really struggling to find that thing that they are great at that you can actually make money at. So I'm actually pretty lucky and blessed that I figured that out a, a little early, regardless of the lazy start to it. So did you go directly and start your fish books? I did not. Yeah. So let's, let's hear the story. Is yeah. There's a, there's there? yeah. a winding road between being a high school doing accounts payable. <laughs> I'm listening to that going like, who does that? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So just started taking on accounting roles. And so didn't actually go to university right after high school, then applied as an adult student. But then we had like a pretty drastic cross Canada move. And so I'm like, I'll just start working and we'll figure out what happens later. But then again, remember lazy student. So if I'm already doing <laughs> more than what the education that I would be taking will teach me how to do, why would I do that? Anyway, so I took like half a dozen courses, but uh, yeah, just worked my way up to corporate controller ultimately. And then I was in a pretty small town just west of Winnipeg, Jason. And it was getting harder and harder to find like corporate controller gigs for an undesignated accountant. So I was on maternity leave with my uh, second daughter, because we have maternity leaves in Canada. And I would just like, I can't keep going back to the same kinds of companies that, you know, that think that their controller or their accounting person is somebody that they need to hide transactions from. It's like, I'm actually on your team. So that was, it was, it was just a mindset in that smaller town that I wasn't crazy about. So I figured that more people would need more smaller businesses would need that kind of expertise. And so actually the original iteration was Fish Financial because I liked the alliteration. I had this cute little logo with the FF and then everyone thought I sold insurance. And so, like, so I've got a decent thing about that. And then, yeah, about a year into it, maybe two years into it, I, I switched over to to fish books. I'm so happy to finally have you on. Thank you for making the time. You are a social butterfly. How? Okay. Well, you seem to know everybody. Everybody kind of knows everybody that. a little bit. That sounds like you, Scott. Does, doesn't it? Like, it, so that's why it's it's great that we're finally meeting here. I feel like this is, um th this probably it was will book and or dovetail into you know, what you do at High Rock, but sure. I do feel like you're a connector. Yes. You know a lot of people and you use that to basically, oh, I know a person that could do this or that does this well, or that does this. And almost everybody probably already knows Rachel, right? So it's like, you can be media, you can be press, you can be <laughs> public relations. I. It's funny though, because it's one of those things where I have heard that from lots of people but I always assume, so two assumptions that I make that nobody knows or remembers me, even if I know or remember them, and that I assume that everybody in my network knows each other because it doesn't make sense that they don't know each other. So it's kind of weird then when there are multiple people inside my network and they don't actually know each other. I'm like, what do you mean you're meeting for the first time? Also, what's really funny, so I had about three and a half years at Sage 
where my profile, like my social activity was a little different because you need to be mindful of, you know, sometimes like the brand that you're representing in some cases. And so once I was done my time there, which was like October 2020, I guess, so about a year and a half ago, I felt like I could just kind of do anything and go anywhere. And there were, I was getting some comments from some younger folks in the cloud accounting space going, oh, who's this Rachel person? Like, where did she come from? Wow, you're really like, I'm like, oh, please. Like I've been doing this for 10 years. It's just, anyway, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to me, but it is what it is. So yeah, it's still funny when I meet people that are, like new to the cloud accounting world. Oh, I remember what it is. I posted something on Twitter, of course, something about going to a zero event because before Sage, I was kind of QB centric and then I was at Sage. And so I was just finally getting to go to my first zero event and somebody responded, oh good, now you get to learn about the cloud. (laughs) Really? Uh. All right. Sure. Your head's okay. been in the clouds for years. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. yeah. I was thinking I'm like the grandma of the cloud now. It's like now there's a whole other generation that's like picking this stuff up. But I would say when you're talking about when you're talking about hobbies and stuff like that, I really truly have a passion for moving the industry of accounting forward. And I'm kind of always noodling on you know, what does that look like? How does that look? I think the role that I have now at High Rock has allowed me to look at now more parts of an accounting firm or what the future accounting firm looks like as opposed to, you know, just operations or just production. So yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. Moving the industry forward is why. So we're what does the future podcast. of accounting look like? Uh, robots are going to take your jobs. Haha. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> honestly great Uh, take it take it so here's here's my (laughs) why won't i'm waiting i'm waiting for a robot to walk in and say please (laughs) leave yeah so here's my challenge and i think i did a couple linkedin posts on it so my challenge is taking a close look at those things that we consider holy grails so if we're really considering innovating in the industry and moving the industry forward what does that look like? And in many cases, it's it's a, an accounting software that does X, right? Or it's accountants who do blah, blah, blah. But the problem is, anytime we're having those conversations, we're usually talking to accountants. And I find that accountants are kind of wary to take themselves out of the conversation. And I actually think that the best innovation and the most innovation will come with a perspective that does not have any holy grails, right? That you're not holding on to anything just because that's the way that it's always been, where we are truly looking at a data-centric view of the things that small businesses and you know mid-market and enterprise actually need to be successful in their businesses. Because I guarantee you, almost 100% of the time, it is not accounting software. So I think that that there's a lot of work to be done in that area, and I'm exploring some interesting things. So yes. what, what do you mean by holy grail? What what do you think the holy grails of accounting are right now? I was gonna say QuickBooks. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's not a bad. Not on answer. here, baby. <laughs> not on here. Not today. I no. I just 
I don't know. Like if you actually look at what small businesses need, what logically, practically do small business need? They need a bank account. They need payment methods. They need to file their taxes, sometimes some installments. I think the U.S. has a crap ton of work to do in the automation of tax right now. I think that there are some things that Canada is a little more ahead on in terms of its banking infrastructure and its tax infrastructure. But what happens is that even though they are, in my opinion, more advanced than the U.S. systems, they are also more locked down. So for example, there are fewer challenger banks and fewer fintech companies up and running in Canada than there could be because the rails, the payment rails and everything like that just aren't set up for innovation or for outside challenging. I don't know how to say that well. Anyway, in the US, it's if you find a need, fill it. You know, other people probably see that same need as well. And so, you know, that's why, for example, HubDoc, Toronto company, launched in the US first. Relay, Toronto company, launched in the US. We know this. Yeah. Right? It's, so this is... It's disruption is the this word like I think you were Canada looking for, hate. right? No. No. <laughs> so here's, the, here's the thing, is that clearly we have innovative minds in Canada, we currently do not have, we do not have an infrastructure that welcomes innovation. So those ideas have to go elsewhere. Disruption, I think, was the word. A little bit. Outside, outside changes or outside. Yes. Um, I want, well, I want to know about the tax automation in Canada. How is it, how is it more, autom- how is it more connected in Canada? Sure. So in Canada, you can log into your basically IRS, right? It's Canada Revenue Service, CRA, Canada Revenue Authority, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, whatever it is. And there's literally a button that says autofill my return. And so it takes the information from your T4 slip, which is like your wage slip, and it automatically fills in your tax return with information the organization already knows about you. Now, what about if you have like a business? Sure. It's not just a T4 form. So yeah, independent contractors or proprietorships would be, there'd be a T2125. And then for corporations, there's a T2. But working with accounting programs or with bank programs or anywhere where the data is being pulled from to better identify those things. So here we've got what's called Giphy mapping, generally indexed financial information. So essentially those data lines going into the lines within your tax return. And so I'm seeing more accounting software have that Giphy mapping. So you can basically do a similar You can basically take the data in zero QuickBooks, press a button, it goes into the tax form. So interesting. Yes. Interesting that you said zero because zero actually just wrapped up the acquisition of tax cycle, which is one of the top tax programs in Canada. And I think that might be the whole point is so that you can go directly from zero right into tax cycle. Holy grail. So you don't, I just want to get this straight. You don't fax the Canada revenue service like you can go online you don't have to fax them you can go online you can submit documents online they no fax tell you if no well i think there are some things that you'd still have to fax for but certainly not a basic 
or like getting authorization to serve a client that you can all do online. Processing your tax returns can all be online. Checking your installments, making installments, all of that stuff is all online. That sounds amazing. Move yeah. to Canada. You know, the, you know, the IRS software is from the JFK administration. Did you know that? I did know that. No, I think I think though when the IRS modernizes, which I don't know, might be in your daughter's lifetime, that will lead to a lot more innovation. Like that's kind of so behind. Like, how are they ever? Literally, how are they ever going to get caught up? Well, then how are we ever going to get automate tax returns? Then Paul, you're not on that one. (laughs) So Rachel, you (laughs) you sold your bookkeeping firm. I didn't. It imploded in a brilliant, disastrous mess. But yeah. <laughs> Tell us about this. Even better. Tell us exactly, exactly. This is what I want to hear. I'm fascinated by this too. You're fascinated yeah. by disastrous messes. Okay. Exactly. I thrive in a disastrous so, mess. So, yeah. So while I had my own practice and it was, you know, going strong, it actually started shortly after I started actually my own practice. And I called up a QuickBooks training place here in Canada and I said, hey, I'm like in the middle of the prairies and you never do training here. So I think that you should come here and do training here. And they said, oh, that's a great idea. So tell us about yourself. And somehow by the end of the call, I was doing training for this training company. Meanwhile, I was (laughs) calling to ask them because I needed training because I was going into business for myself. I, you know, did the rounds. What should I be using, Sage or QuickBooks? And it was like 50-50. My first couple of clients happened to be on QuickBooks. So I kind of went down that training route first. And so that's anyway, but within a month, I had trained every course within their portfolio. And within a couple of years, I was the lead trainer for QuickBooks in Canada. So I was doing like every, everybody who certified like between 20, I'm trying to think, like so 2012 and 2016. So it was between QuickBooks desktop and Peachtree then. So is that what not they quite, that? not quite in Canada. Age 50. Sage 50 had bought it simply accounting actually. So that's, it's called the same thing. It's still called Sage 50, but in Canada and US, it's actually two completely different products. But they were desktop products. But they were desktop in Canada. I had started on QuickBooks desktop, but there was a client of mine who had a couple of different locations and we were trying to figure out how to work together. And there were a couple of cloudish. Oh no, he had a Mac. I had a PC. Anyway, we're still trying to figure no. out how to work together so that we're aren't duplicating things. And I think the only thing on the market at the time was QuickBooks online. Now this is the original iteration. And I feel like it's one of those traumatic learning the original QuickBooks online. So like QuickBooks classic is one of those traumatic events that bonds people. Like if you can find other people who know the blue screens and know that you couldn't print a check and know that you couldn't do bank recs in this thing, it's like, oh, you're my people. You had to go through the same struggles. Anyway, so then they went through this whole- Most of those people moved to blue apps. Yeah, that's I why did. people what? went to zero because yeah, that's what someone wasn't Anyway, so then the- so then they went through a major redesign and, you know, the new QuickBooks online, but I had actually been using it with this one client. So my boss at the training company said, hey, so there's this new thing and they want you to start training on it. And I'm like, well, actually, I use it for a client. They're like, we didn't think anybody used it. I'm like, actually, no, I've been using it. So I, I got that and they're like, okay, we're going to start, you know, certification programs and stuff. And I 
had already been scheduled actually in Winnipeg for QuickBooks Online Certification Training for a Monday. I was a couple hours away. I got the curriculum like end of day Sunday, the day before, and then had to like learn it (laughs) overnight because there's a difference between using a product and training a product and then be in front of a room full of Winnipeg certification people. And if you don't know, I think they can, I think the name Winterpeg is not lost on them. Like they're, (laughs) I was going to say they're kind of cold hearted. They're not cold hearted. I know lovely people in Winnipeg. Hey, you're but my grandfather here. Relax. they don't have a lot of patience. And so that was the most brutal training session I had ever done because there were things that weren't amazing about the product. And I looked like the representative from the product. And so I should have gone with like some armor. But yeah, so that's how that got started. But it also meant that I got to speak at amazing conferences, you know, the Intuit Insider events and all of that other stuff. And so it's at some of these conferences that people at Deloitte saw me speak and they reached out and I was looking for a change. I've been in my business for about four and a half years. So it's like that itchy feet kind of time when it's either I need to shut it down or I need to go big, but it can't stay the same. My clients are ticking me off. My team is ticking me off. Like I just, anyway, I need, something has to change. So yeah, Deloitte offered a role that would actually take us back to Ontario. So I was from the Ontario area originally. And so I was able to bring my husband and my girls kind of back to my home area with me. And then the first day I started at Deloitte, I got handed a brand new job description that had nothing to do with the job I thought I took. And so (laughs) sitting there going, I would not have moved my family across Canada anyway. So it was a year of, I said I would give it a year. It was extremely challenging. I learned a crap ton. And a year and four days later, I started at Sage. (laughs) So was the right hand not talking to the left? You moved. This is what I don't get about the bait for trying to get into bookkeeping. It's like their clients aren't people who need outsourced bookkeeping. It just seems like they're trying to go down two levels and they yes. can't afford the price. So but. yes, so they were going down market. So there was a lot of things not talking to a lot of things. So it wasn't just right hand and left hand at that point. If I were them, I would be exploring similar options. But then you hire experts, you know, such as I thought I was at the time, and they hired some other amazing people as well. But then you trust them <laughs> that if, like, if we were able to build our own practices, we kind of know how this goes a little bit. So let me do that here. And that was, there was just too much other structure. I mean, there's just, I think one of the, honestly, one of the biggest mistakes in terms of Deloitte, and there's a fantastic epilogue on this that I'll, I'll get to, I promise, that going down market and on paper, like it totally makes sense. But yeah, there were just too many. Does it make sense though? I don't, that's what I don't get. There is I, still a need at every level for accounting services. The majority of like all of their clients need accounting done in one respect or another. Mm-hmm. The idea is that it's going to make, you know, tax returns that much smoother and, and all of those things. But there was just way too much pushback. I think their biggest, their single biggest mistake is that they put that part of the organization in the audit and advisory section of the company, which you're dealing with, you're dealing with mindset at that point, right? It's accountants. 
This is the way we've always done it. It's desktop, it's paper, it's yeah, whatever. What they completely. should have been doing is put it under Deloitte Digital on more of the tech side. I mean, they had some phenomenal. Did they even have the word cast on. then? Did they use that phrase yet? I don't, I think this was like pre-cast. Like that's how old I am. <laughs> that, now, cast uh, anyway, is still relatively new. It, it is, but I think that people underestimate, especially in large firms like that, they underestimate how big a part mindset plays into these things. So again, on paper, these are the kinds of clients that need accounting services. And, though, and so this is where we're going to put that cloud initiative instead of, except that every single client was like pulling teeth to try to get paperwork out of them. You know, the partners that I was dealing with was like crazy. Well, why don't we just get a copy of their Sage 50 backup? And then on the other side, you've got incredibly innovative people that are working with incredibly innovative clients. And so in that case, then the way that they do their bookkeeping and their accounting should simply be an extension of the mindset that they already have. So I felt like we were kind of, we were not set up to fail, but it was certainly not ideal when every single client you had that mindset issue with, and of course, many of the colleagues as well. Since then, however, I think it was announced last year, Deloitte Canada has completely divested of their small business accounting services and most of their mid-market as well. And they actually sold out to a very sm originally small accounting firm, originally based in Brandon, Manitoba, <laughs> Myers Norris MNP, right? It's all coming back around. It's a Manitoba MNP, which is now the largest small business accounting firm, accounting firm in Canada. So it is right. now larger than Deloitte. They took on over a thousand colleagues just with that buyout. So pretty interesting landscape up here for sure. Yeah. I mean, that made sense because it just doesn't, Small business accounting just doesn't seem to fit with a bid for. It made sense for a smaller firm to do it. So, I mean, that made sense to me why they did that. Yeah. So when they offered to consolidate or acquire you, your bookkeeper. They just hired they, me. Yeah. They basically just hired you and they took yeah. on all of your clients. No, they didn't. They just... <laughs> So what Again, happened with your clients? That, that was, no, this is where this is my question. Like, <laughs> was your understanding of it different? Was there anything that you maybe feel like you could have done differently, oh, or was Lord. it all just you know was it all just destined to fail? This podcast is not long enough to to talk about the all of the things that I could have done differently. So here's my challenge. So I accepted the role we agreed to at the time. And was given basically six weeks, you know, is what we had negotiated for me to wrap up my business and move across Canada. And I think I want to be mindful of the, the different people involved. So I don't want to go into too much detail. But I will say that I had what I thought was a really clear plan to just kind of let my team take on the clients. They, they would simply be continuing to do with those clients what they had always been doing. It did not go that way. I thought there would be an opportunity to then sell my practice to a local practitioner. However, looking back, <laughs> why would he give me a penny for anything when all he had to do is wait six weeks and I was gone anyway? So regardless of what happened to my clients and what happened to my team, I had a job to go to in six weeks. Mm -hmm. And so I did because my original plan, which I thought would go smoother than it did, I ended up then having to find homes for some clients. I ended up having to transition those over to other bookkeepers in town. And so I think it was it was challenging 
doing that for my last six weeks instead of a nice smooth transition where I could, you know, hand off the rest of the things that only I did within my practice to my team. I ended up spending a lot of time doing things that I, I wasn't expecting to. So what happened with your team? So they ultimately uh, went out on their own, but a little late in the game. And so some of the clients had already left. It wasn't the transition plan that I had suggested or anticipated. And so it was, it wasn't. Why do you think it went poorly? A few things. So first of all, I actually, I gave my, I feel I gave my team member too much power into what happened next. I should have been much a little bit stronger, a little bit more decisive in how that was all going to go. And then what was actually really challenging was how small a town it actually was, even though it was the second largest city in Manitoba, Brandon, Manitoba, because my husband worked at our church. And so he had to give notice. And so church people started finding out I had clients that were either went we went to church together or we knew had mutual friends from church. It, it was just like, it just got w- so out of hand. So quickly. everybody knows and, everybody. Oh my gosh. And so then, especially when you're a social of, butterfly. Well, instead of a nice smooth transition plan, it turned into like damage control. And yeah, it was, it was a really unpleasant last six weeks there, but. Are you but allowed I'm back in the town or no? I am allowed back in the town. Gotcha. My husband's family still all lives there. We still try to get back at least once a year. So, so we have no regrets and we have no resentment right and it doesn't feel like you had any regression you didn't have any regression either you spiraled up and we learned (laughs) so let's hear you spiraled up at sage yeah i mean that was a whole other thing and i know (laughs) (laughs) i know i know there's just a lot but i will say again it's at sage that i was exposed to product management And now being able to incorporate product management and product marketing now into the way that, you know, now being back at an accounting firm and the way that we're doing things there, I can absolutely put my product manager and my product marketing hat on, which are, again, two very different things and look at things a lot differently than a typical accountant would look at the sales or marketing of their services. And you'll just have to wait to find out what we come up with. (laughs) Oh, Can can we go into how things ended at Sage and then how this opportunity at High Rock came about? Sure. So I think Sage, we had we had actually really been struggling for it feels like a while to find a good place for me to land, uh, whether it was a good role, a good team, a place that was supported with the accountant strategy. I think that we tried a lot of different things. And the last role that I had there then was product manager for the accountant products, working a lot with the UK team, which is where the innovation for those accounting products were coming out of. But I kind of felt like that was my last kick at the can that if we weren't able to, like, I am not a product manager by nature, I learned a ton, I will take that with me forever. But it's not something that I was super passionate about. And so I felt like, I had some time to either figure out what that was, you know, spend a year in, in product management with the part, working closely with the product marketing teams, but figure out where my next role at Sage will be. And if, you know, after three and a half years, if we still don't find it, then I think it's time to step away. And so it was with absolutely no hard feelings. Again, that last year I absolutely took as a learning year that that it was a bit of a paid education for 
how technology companies approach products. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. But when Liz Mason calls you and says she's got a crazy idea, uh, you listen. And it, that's something that we've been, <laughs> and that's something that we had done previously. Like we had known each other socially on social media before the first accounting salon. And then we were both at the first accounting salon, which was like back in 2017. And every once in a while, just, hey, I've got a crazy idea. Like, it was like, she was my sanity check. Because if she thought that I was crazy, then okay, that's a little, a little out there. You were but, definitely crazy. Right. But if she's like, no, that totally makes sense. Then, I mean, so I did feel like I needed a bit of a break after Sage. So I took about three or four months, did some contract work, a bit of a palate cleanser, a bit of a de-stressor before picking up with um, High Rock the beginning of last year, 2021. Middle of the pandemic is a great time to <laughs> completely change careers, focusing on acquisitions. So since then, we had secured two acquisitions, Jay Kimmelman and the team from the Digital CPA, and Megan Janae Tarnow and the team from Mobius out of Minnesota. So having that extra strength behind the two uh, our two teams, industry teams of nonprofit and e-commerce was exactly what Hyrock needed at the time. And so they were the absolute right acquisitions for us. And now this year, because acquisitions really isn't something like unless you want to be huge or unless you're a bit huge before or whatever, that's not something that you usually do like over and over and over and over and over again. So this year I stepped into chief growth officer. So all of sales and marketing and strategic partnerships and acquisitions so now I can put that marketing product marketing lens back on. No, but you said the mindset, I'm interested in this, the mindset of, because we always think as accountants, like these product people, like the products, they don't understand us. Right. I, I'm interested, you, you work in both now. Like what's... So isn't that great when you can yeah. like think of both sides of the things. And yeah. I had, I had a call with... Well, you can um, marry your thoughts together, right? You like can. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, with an accounting technology company. And I was going through and I said, like, besides, you know, you pitching me <laughs> for whatever you, you know, this platform you want to sell me, can I just give you some tips? And he he was like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> he goes, you're a product manager, you're in the completely wrong role. I'm like, no, no, I'm in the exact right role. But it's nice when I have to put on this hat every once in a while. So yeah. So, but what, what do you think the mind, like, what's the difference in the mindset the between mindset. the, like, I'm always like, why can't they just do this? Like it would make the product so much better. It seems like they, right. it seems like there's just a disconnect between what we think we want and what they think we want. Right. So, mm, so here's, here's what I will say. Users are really great for asking for certain functions but in many cases, again, back to that holy grail thing, they want it solved in a certain way. And so I think that sometimes getting great feedback from great accountants, but then trusting your product team that they can actually innovate how they deliver on that, right? So at Sage, working with a cloud product, how many times were we told, well, you need to have this feature because QBO has it, or you need to have this feature because Zero has it, instead of actually going back to the Sage team saying, this is what we want the end function to be. How can we continue to innovate to actually deliver on that thing that is in neither QBO nor Zero? So I actually think that some of those things that the product team has come up with for the Sage Accounting product are actually better than both QBO and Zero. 
and yet I, I know that they still have some some work to do in other elements of the product. So yeah, I think it's it's balancing out the needs of the end user with the skills of the product development team. So basically we're we're good at figuring out the issue, but you guys the the software needs to solve the problem. Yes. And let the software software solve the problem. I think one of the things that some I've got a few opinions about technology companies and accountant channels, but I think that Ooh. I think that too many technology companies try to do exactly what the accountants are asking them to do, not trying to solve the problem that the accountant has. Sounds like the Homer car. Sounds like the Homer car. Similar the what? The Homer car. Nobody knows this. When what? Homer had to design a car, he gave them exactly what he wanted and they built exactly what he wanted and he bankrupt them. You've never I'm seen sorry. that episode I of the Simpsons. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I don't Simpsons did everything. So you're, epilogue you said you had an epilogue anecdote. the deloitte thing and how yeah. they actually divested of the entire oh so that was the epilogue, epilogue. that was the epilogue to the deloitte story okay. i like when businesses decide like we gotta get out of this like what zero did with payroll they're like yeah this is this is not good because yeah. i think that that takes a lot of guts and it's hard you put all these resources yes well again with every product decision do you build, do you buy, or do you partner? So how many times do we try to solve a problem in our accounting firm and we only think that there's one path to the solution instead of saying, oh, wait a minute, that. is there somebody mm -hmm. else that's doing it better than me that I should be partnering with? Is it something that I can build or is it something that I can just buy and white label? I think that's that's the greatest advice I've ever heard. Build, buy, or partner. <laughs> It's you it's the, it's like the part. golden rule. Do you do rule. that in your life too? Do it's you like do married but kill, like, yeah. but for accountants. <laughs> I am married, partner. I guess I have two kids, so I guess I've built. Um, <laughs> yeah. What did you buy? But you haven't killed. I know. Yeah. I'm like buy my house. We all live in that yeah. house. Okay. Yeah. I like Good. it. So, tell us about High Rock. What are some of the high points? Also weird. That Liz has asked you to do, where you're like, no, <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Yeah. So, first of all, I don't think I would ever tell Liz no. So, that's fine. I have told Liz not now. I have, <laughs> but I don't know that I would ever tell her. How did no. that, yeah, how did that go? Because it was like after supper and I was chilling out. Oh. <laughs> I don't think there's crazy stuff like that. But the high points, so here's what I will say I think that one of, our strengths when it comes to growth has to do with the way that we look at growth. So in a typical accounting firm, it's very, you sell to one client or you sell to one person or you sell to one whatever. You may get, like if you have an entrepreneur that has multiple companies, that's kind of as much of a one-to-many approach as you get. And with a couple of the different entities around the High Rock Collective, so we've got the tax department, We've got Rebel Rock, which focuses on, on cannabis. We actually have, in some cases, a really strategic one-to-many approach where we're doing the alliances and the networks and the associations and those kinds of things. Because if we can essentially build sales channels, again, build by partner, uh, if we can build those partner channels or those sales channels, then we get the benefit of, of the growth without having to sit and grind individual sales. So I think that's an extremely unique thing. And 
I think shortly we're going to see at least one of our alliance announcements come out. I've been approached by another, and this isn't just joining as a member, joining an, an, an alliance as a member firm. This is how we can leverage alliance and network relationships to better serve their alliance members as well as to better serve you know, our industry specialties. So yeah, we've got some other things up our sleeve that again, you'll be seeing the rest, the rest of the year as well. Um, and who knows, there may be another acquisition before the end of the year. Um, yeah, there's always something going on here. Cool. God, I've got to bounce. So I got to yeah. take my, unfortunately I have to take my son to the hospital. Oh gosh. I hope he's going to be okay. He'll be fine. Okay. Rachel, it was great to meet you. Great to meet God. you as well, Jason. You'll continue on. That was great. I love this build. Oh, awesome. See you. Okay. Talk to you later. I, I feel like I'm a lot like you in, in, in a lot of ways as far as the social butterfly stuff goes. Yet I'm still running my own firm. I really want to collaborate and work with other people. And I feel like you found a position where you can do that yeah. to where it's, you know, you you understand the, the powers that other people have and, and the power that you have when you're with other people too. It could probably get you energized, I'm sure. And then, so, yeah. yeah. So interesting when you were saying about energy because I'm actually a like a classic introvert so I can speak in front of like hundreds of people like I did at QuickBooks Connect and like all of these other things and I can do that but then I want to sleep for like three days straight so Mm. so it's been really interesting especially other like high performing introverts so like Twyla and I when we get together we're like giving each other permission to like recover after a meeting that we have it's like an extrovert would never think of something like that or needing prep time, you know, in the special way that, that introverts kind of do. So what does a successful year look like for you and High Rock? If I were to come back to you in March of 2023? I have very intentional plans on, in terms of what we're going to sell and to whom, how we're going to market and to whom, and being very specific on the ways in which we want to grow. Because sometimes a full on client grab, right, where you're just, let's just get on, we just need more clients, let's just get on as many clients as possible, is maybe not the best strategic move for your organization. So I mean, here, when we're looking at, you know, there's high rock accounting proper, and then there's rebel rock, which is the cannabis consulting. And then there is the tax department, which is essentially tax outsourcing for accounting firms. Those all have very different sales and marketing strategies. And so how can we be really intentional, but with, of course, the the underlying or the consistent values, you know, make sure making sure that our strategies are in line with our values. And yeah. Do you plan on any rebranding for nonprofit or e-commerce? Because I feel like that that specific industry vertical is Rebel Rock, right? And High Rock is more of less like an incubator of all kinds. Yeah. So Rebel Rock is specifically cannabis. High Rock is everything else. So we haven't had any discussions over rebranding. I'm not sure that it would be best actually for because High Rock is such a strong brand that you want to take your brand equity into consideration when looking at rebranding. So I'm not sure that that would be the best well, you use. You can go of e-rock and non-rock or something like that. Like <laughs> that just came off the top of my head. I feel like <laughs> high rock would have been the perfect cannabis. Vertical. I hear that all the time. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Yeah. So I think that we are going to see again, some more targeted 
marketing efforts in both of those cases, but I think that the High Rock brand is strong enough that we don't want to lose our connection to that. No, that's true. Yeah, that's kind of just my aside joke. <laughs> cool. Well, awesome. It's great to have you on. I'm sorry that your Yeti cool. didn't work out. Thank you for having me. Well, it did work until... Until I had you get back to your cats and kids. Okay, Um, sounds good. See you, Rachel. Talk to you later. Bye. Internet Tech Tuesday. Digital Tech Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I remember server systems with tech allowances, fintech vendors with some cloud outfits, but now they're coding this computer science for accountants. In fact, I'm remoting in new tools, paperless, asynchronous for data analysts, APIs to find all your SaaS apps connected, cloud computing plugins for your implementation, automate technology to leverage the meta, disrupt your desktop, then break it down. We sharing metrics, AI to the GPT to the AI disrupt. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and crypto agents disrupt. Time to tweak your tech team and make some changes disrupt. If my staff quit, I still have automation disrupt. Last episode just went viral. Let's go, it's gonna make your head spiral. Scarano, Casey, Sunshine, Accounting High Show. The lab is ready, it's tech time, yo. Glitch, it's tech time. Disrupt, it's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time at Accounting High. It's tech time. Disrupt. It's tech time. 